This evening's Dharma talk was suggested by Danny, and the title is Don't Do Stuff. That wasn't her talk title. The more we talked about it, the more we kind of thought that's probably the only thing that would work. She's very agreeable. So the idea there is, that, of course, it's a silly title. But on the other hand, it uh, comes around to what I say, don't do anything unless you have to. I'm just saying if you take a kind of a, just wherever you're at, just you're just there and watch what comes and goes. And you don't have to grasp or reject or shut down. Those are the three poisons. My other, the other way I often talk about that, which is what brought up the, which was Danny's idea about what to talk about was don't believe, don't disbelieve, and don't look away. It's a very powerful uh, way of talking about the three poisons. And one of the things we find if we take this approach is just about impossible to do that. But if we take that, I'll keep that teaching or that suggestion in mind, we begin to see the way we just spontaneously grasp a thing, believe it, we believe it. Emotions come up and we immediately believe those emotions as if they were somehow authorized by something or someone. So the idea is don't, don't, but when you see yourself grasping at it, and so far as you can, don't do that, but also don't go to war with it and push on it. Just notice that way you, so it's about awareness, about noticing the way you keep coming to conclusions about things or exclusions. Don't believe it, include it, don't disbelieve it, exclude it, and don't shut down or totally ignore what is occurring. <sighs> That's a tall order. That's a, it's powerful to approach anything that's happening in that way and see the way we're, we're kind of helpless in that area. We tend to believe things just spontaneously without any any particular thought about it. We just think that's true just because of the intensity of the emotion or possibly of the, the thinking process around it tends to weave a, a net or a web in such a way that it just, it just, it just looks like it's, it's that way. By not doing anything other than when I say, don't do stuff, I'm just saying, this is what when you're doing sitting meditation, you're you're sitting still in a certain posture, and and you're uh, holding very still, and you're watching the way the mind keeps grasping and rejecting, and turning away and grasping and rejecting. That might not show up that way right away. You might just it might just be something like I'm just can't stop thinking or something like that. Not that you should. So it could show up different for each person. But as you've heard me say many times, it's always about the awareness, not what is arising in it necessarily. So the spaciousness of the mind is encouraged, um, supported, and possibly even nurtured by just holding very still, uh, looking at the wall and watching not just what's on the wall, but what as we uh, look at the wall, what is arising in the six sense fields, either through out, out in the um, in the sunshine bardo, which is behind us here, or in uh, in our mind, ideas and thoughts, memories coming up, maybe something we haven't thought about for a long time. We start to go, we start to grasp that. We start to we want to want to get something out of that memory. We want to go over that situation again. So it's not so much about that and being wrong. You shouldn't be doing that, even though I'm saying don't do stuff. I'm just saying. When I when I say that, I know you can't stop. I can't stop. That's how I know about it. But what you can do is be more aware of what you spontaneously do, accepting what you spontaneously do, rejecting, or spontaneously do 
in a way, shut down, distract, look at something else. It's about awareness. It's not about including anything. That being said, uh, there's some of that happening when we, when I say give everything your attention, there's there's some kind of a uh, subtle grasping going on because you're looking at something, you're actually receiving something, and there's actually sometimes some kind of a tug there where you're trying to trying to receive things. So if they start to disappear, we might reach in and pull somewhat. How am I doing? You have a question? How do you hear other people's questions? <laughs> <laughs> and I want to hear my answers, so we got a deal. <laughs> okay, you, you you heard the lady. <laughs> Shoto, sure. um, you're talking about watch how we spontaneously might push or pull. Does does every action start off as spontaneous? Probably there's some kind of a just a, a natural movement to do something. It could come out of a, a just being present. Something needs to be done, so we do it. So there's not much uh, um, planning or thought goes into it. it. Could be it's so situational. And it's so much what happened to you 10 minutes ago, what happened to you 10 years ago, what happened to you 10 lifetimes ago. Causes and conditions come out of, uh, out of just unsearchable uh, tributary streams flowing in the darkness. You can't, you can't really track them down, but you can see what this is. Everything you need to know, as Trunker and Pache once said in so many words, um, you don't need to go anywhere else. Everything is available right now. So when something's being added, added to that, what is it to not be spontaneous? I think it's uh, kind of the second thought about it, or the the hesitancy about it, or the the uh, doubling up on it. Like this is something I really need to do. Those kind of things. If that's what you're asking me about. And you might have to. You might, especially someone in the first few stages of their practice, which means the first ten years. Uh, you may have to cave into that. And when I say cave, not cave, but you may have to see that you can't resist that. It's not about resisting. It's more, even though I say you can't resist that, you're going to notice that because that's the quality that will happen. But the more you practice, the less and less self-centeredness or ego or seventh consciousness, the less energy that has because you're no longer feeding it with some kind of warfare about it. You're no longer protecting an imaginary self. You already intellectually know there's no one there. Now it's a matter of continuing to look at that and seeing when you're, when you're afraid. Who's frightened? Uh, for that matter, when you're totally exhilarated and feeling pos- positive about something, who's running? Po- who's feeling positive? What What is that identity? To actually look at that identity. Thinking um, kind of the other side of that, where it looks like we could almost train ourselves to just not have a second thought, but almost like in an artificial way where we just do things hastily. So, what What was the difference between like true spontaneity? and just not thinking about what you were doing. <laughs> so spontaneity may have a lot of thoughts coming up, but the, the thoughts that are coming up aren't necessarily conclusions. They're just, they're just attendant upon whatever is happening. So it wouldn't necessarily be a conclusion happening there. It might be some kind of a thinking process that more is like the sixth consciousness, the mind that is just working along with um, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching. That, that particular dynamic of the mind might be happening, but it's not the kind of thinking that is grasping or rejecting or shutting down or ignoring or operating out of hope and fear. Hope that things get better and fear that they're going to fall apart and it'll be dangerous and we'll have to succumb more. Shoka? On Monday nights, we study meditation on emptiness. Mm-hmm. 
Does one need to have a correct view of emptiness in order to begin to see it? Well, some people would say so. Um, a, lot of, a lot of teachings out there that say you have to actually know what it is intellectually before you're going to see uh, what it is uh, through uh, direct perception. Um, I disagree. I think it can go the other way around. It can happen both at once. Um, you can understand what, uh, you can actually see emptiness and not know intellectually what you're seeing and not be able to, and, and feel like that you don't see it because you aren't able to talk about it the way some aspect of the teaching on emptiness doesn't click with what you're seeing. So it's extremely personal. Keep coming. It's a good question, but just take me into it. Let's go down in that. How do we own individual relationships to emptiness? I, I just, the only response I can have to that is just you just continue, just keep going. This takes years. You're going to wake up in three days, three months, three years. I take, as the Nagarjuna said, and, and praise the Dharmadatu. You know what I'm going to quote? You may wake up, you may not. So, with what you said, that it, the teachings might not reflect something that we, we might be seeing. Mm -hmm. So, how can we be sure that we're deluded? Just ask me. Are we deluded? So, so of course. So am I. But I'm just saying that we, you aren't going to, if you're, if you're dependent upon some kind of a, a proof or some kind of a, a something coming in, then, then we're, we're actually uh, creating more eddies in the river, more circularity going around. It's just one smooth situation, nothing extra. It's just that the ego mind, the self-centered mind, doesn't get any fuel from that, doesn't get any nutrition. So it's like, I need something out of this. I need to know I'm getting somewhere. That's why it's called a spiritual path. You won't know if you're getting somewhere. It's it's could get worse and worse and worse. Or it could, depending on causes and conditions, it could you could feel more like making some progress with it. Depends on what your what you come into this life, that your particular karma, the causes and conditions that are that even brought you into the path are so varied and complicated. But usually made up of some form of passion, aggression, and ignorance, along with uh uh, the way in which your particular style of resisting things or shutting down on things or promoting things. Well, there's some people coming into this life closer to the truth than others. Of course, but they also may not realize it. Uh, sometimes that's not such a blessing because somebody's pretty clear and so they don't practice. Yeah, all right, yeah, I know what's going on. I can see this. And meditate. I know better than to make myself miserable. Well, simply put, but that just means that there, it's, it's not thorough. It needs to be thorough. And as long as one is, thinks they know, they're separating themselves from all the people who don't know. As we mentioned before, we had someone here once who claimed to be awake. So did I fight with them? Remember how that went? That they just weren't, they weren't ready to do anything else. They wanted to have, just have their awakening. More about that? I think you've said, uh, that if we're awake, we might, we won't know it, or it's not something. It seems like it's also talked about, like there's a certainty that at the same time, we're certain that that's the case, or. It's not a case. You're certain that there is. The whole idea of having a case about anything is empty of that caseness. It doesn't seem to be a reference point anywhere. The reference points don't stop coming and going, but they're, they're in, inconsequential from the point of view of any kind of control or grasping or understanding or 
So it it's actually is transcendent. It goes beyond the relative situation without abandoning it. So that's why it's so profound and vast to say they use the fancy words, and yet it doesn't leave this room. It's not separate. Take two separate things, this room and the rest of the universe, not two different things. So you're, you're looking at it all the time. You're looking at the Buddha, not just this old man sitting here. I don't mean that. I'm saying everywhere you look. That's what I'm here to tell you about. If you hear what I'm saying clearly, you understand, you can leave and never come back. But until you're certain, don't leave. Stay here. Keep working on this. And you're, you're welcome to ask me uh, why I hang around. <laughs> I don't leave. I'd be happy to respond. Why do you stay here? I'm not sure. I was going to say something kind of smart ass, but then I decided to not say. This is how I work on myself. But how do you know what to say? When there's so many different kinds of thoughts that come and go. I don't say anything. Don't add, don't subtract, don't divide. Uh, don't do stuff. Less is better. Those of you who have been here a long time, for years and years, know that there's, there's some, some, something has changed. It's very difficult to, as the traditional metaphor, put your finger on uh, what exactly what that is. Shoka. What is it? What? I think that's hard to put your finger on. Just it's, it's too vast. It's not, it's not a thing. It's, it goes beyond the phenomena. It's not something. You've been here for what, five years? What would you say about it? If somebody said to you, You're a monk, what are you doing here? Why do you stay? Why do you do that? Don't you, yeah, is that when you were being a rock star? No. Don't you go back and do that? What would you say spontaneously to just a person in general? Probably try to not answer. <laughs> Probably wouldn't be a bad answer. You could also say, I have no idea. And each person in this situation, whether you live at the monastery or just coming in for the talk or been doing this for three days, three months, three years, or whatever it is, everybody has their own kind of dynamic. And we all use the teaching of the Buddha, which is very simple and very complicated. We use that to get to know ourselves better, to get to understand what this life is about. Jinchu. I think it was in response to Shoka. You said something about how seeing emptiness is extremely personal. Mm -hmm. How can something that is ultimate or fundamental be extremely personal? Because there isn't anyone else. So it, it, it can even look like a extreme narcissism when this starts to happen. So it's, it's personal because there is no separate person. But since there's still a consciousness and there's no, there's no, there's nothing congealing around that of needing to be right, needing to be wrong, needing to live, needing to die, needing, needing it. You don't need anything. Every, because there isn't anything that isn't yours. So it's a, it can feel, at least initially, like self-centeredness. Except nothing, there's no, there's no threat anywhere. And there's also nothing else you don't want. I'm not saying you don't want to get some water, you're thirsty. That's a very simple situation. I'm not saying you don't want to have enough money to put gas in the car or very simple, but very simple. They don't go, they don't extend into some kind of a dream about some kind of paradise or heaven realm. You, you see the heaven realm. You see, you've seen it in your own practice. You see what it's how temporary all that is. You've seen hell in yourself. You've seen uh, the, uh, the animal realm, the human realm, jealous God realm, the hungry ghost realm. You've seen all of those. More than likely, you've studied these. You've had an idea what that is in your own personal experience. And you know that you don't have to go into any of them. You, know, you go in and you can come out and you don't mind having emotions anymore. 
you don't mind them because they aren't happening to an individual person. The emotions are just coming and going like weather. Good. Let's go further into that. Is what you see different from someone else who also sees emptiness? Damn if I know. Probably some kind of, you know, uh, we know how to compare notes. I don't make any claims about being ahead of anybody or being enlightened or but I just you know, I don't know what else to do with this. So I, it's a, it's an understanding. It's it's a, it's been called a tap just a tacit understanding, but it's profound and vast and totally ordinary. And I'm looking at it, and you're looking at it. Just that I know what I'm looking at, and you perhaps may have some doubts about it. So do we see it but misunderstand it? Yeah, you do. Exactly. Exactly. You see it, and then you misunderstand it. You add. You add something to it because what you see is empty of any qualities, empty of anything else other than what you see. What's the difference between understanding it and a correct view? The correct view is uh, is provisional teaching. So it, it's a it's a kind of a stair step to help you work with the situation in a certain way. Correct view, complete uh, samyak or a thorough seeing would be correct. If you're not missing anything there, and there's other ways of talking about that. So I usually don't go there because it sounds too much. It, it partakes of and fluffs up the correct incorrect idea, which are easy to go into. But Danny. I don't see something clearly if we're accepting rejecting anyone. So probably won't, but you might start out by whatever it may be. Maybe could be anything, just uh, something the way somebody's acting, you know, that is confusing. To do anything with it, even add the word they're confused, or add to it they're wrong, or they shouldn't be doing that, or even to say they upset me. Any of that is extra. So you might not be able to stop that, but you could be aware that you're actually adding on to something that is not in them, that it's your addition. Excuse me. So when I say don't believe, don't disbelieve, don't look away, I'm saying the awareness practice will, it can be painful, it can be irritating, it can be abrasive, but you're seeing that the person that you're actually, because of what they're doing or triggering or what is triggering is triggering some area of your psyche, consciousness or whatever, that is not examined. Or it couldn't find it. If you know who this is, you're not going to be triggered. And if you are triggered, then uh, may not be exactly the same kind of trigger that would happen to a, a mind that was confused. It would depend. If you're functioning as a bodhisattva, you might come roaring out of that you know, with uh, guns blazing. It's, but you have to be really clear, or you'll think that you're doing something correctly. If you think you're doing something correctly, it's a misunderstanding. That's why correct view only works so far. It works to get you started. You gotta prime the bump. Let's do it with correct view. Let's do it with a, uh, the Hornable Fusi Eightfold Path. You don't need to do that here. You're, you can actually do what I'm saying is just look at it. So you might see yourself grasping or, you know, kind of believing or being irritated by something somebody did. But at the same time, you're also seeing that you're kind of inventing that because you don't really know what is happening there. There's more of a, there's a, there's a, I wouldn't call it cloudiness, I would call it clarity around your imputed or projected confusion. So when somebody does something, we immediately think, who the hell do they think they are? How many times have you said that? Five, six, <laughs> the hell do they think they are? <laughs> Maybe you guys don't do that. I have a cat that did that. His name is Larry. <laughs> He's gone. 
So what you would see is that that you were adding, you would kind of get a, through your awareness practice, you're looking more closely at the dynamic of your mind relative to apparent other minds or activities and so on, and the way those show up and the way you add on. So when I say just receive, part of just receiving, just receiving is seeing how you can't quite just receive without, you know, something comes to the door instead of just come right in, you're welcome. It's like, who's there? What do you want? Don't like the tone of their voice. Uh, peek out the window. I'm not sure I don't, I haven't seen that person before. And I'm just using uh, simple, ordinary metaphors, but it's very much like that. About not really wanting to be, not wanting to deal with something that is challenging and yet we're unclear about it and we know we're projecting onto it. And uh, we just can't relate to it directly. More? Thank you. Thank you. What is relating to it directly? <clears throat> just receive. Whatever, whatever's happening, just in your sense fields, just receive. If there's sounds, receive. If there's a body language from somebody, how they're acting, how they're moving, just receive. Just look at it. Don't add on your interpretation of anything. Don't interpret. Don't elaborate on anything. When you elaborate anything on anything, you actually abandon the, the, the genuine presence of whatever is there. And you also abandon your own genuine presence because it's, it's uh, scary to the ego to just be totally exposed in no person's land with no defense, no explanation, no justification. And the kind of things that start to come up are the other end of pride, like I'm totally worthless. That's the other side of it. Anytime you have anything, pride, you have the opposite. I'm worthless, I'm not worth anything, I'm terrible. I'm never gonna get anywhere, I'm never gonna understand who I am or what this is. I'll never attain enlightenment. I don't deserve this. I'm telling you, uh, this is your birthright. It's not, you don't, I wouldn't even use the word deserve. You're, you're born a human being. This is a Buddha. This is, this is why that teaching from 2,500 years ago was such an astonishing thing for someone in such a primitive society. But maybe it wasn't so primitive. They actually supported people who were in search of the truth then. They were called, uh, Pararajikas, or wanderers. That's a Sanskrit. Isn't that right, Bhaskar? Pararajikas? <laughs> yes. Jane from California has a question. It only takes a few hundred hours to master most things. Why does this take so long? Because you think it's mastery. Not mastery. So maybe talked about that way, but it's not. It's it's kind of the other direction from the relative mundane accomplishment of something. This increases when you can become a great surgeon, you can become a great philosopher, but uh, this is a spiritual path. And this is like, it's like going the other way. Going, going more minimalist, minimalist, less and less. Even though we study all the time, that's very deliberate why we study all these texts. Because we, we need to actually include the intellect instead of exclude it and try to get somewhere spiritually. Not interested in that. You don't need to go anywhere. You're already there. You're there. This is what the Zogchen teaching is, Mahamudra's teaching, the great perfection. There isn't anything else. And you have everything you need right now. You just might not, you might need just to be shoved or encouraged. You just keep going, keep going. So Shane, is it Shane? There is a time on this. Some uh, Zen tradition is commonly thought of to take about 20 years. I think that's kind of short. I step my experience. And then maybe, you know, you might awaken, you may not. Sorry. I can guarantee you one thing for sure. You know what that is? Great guest.
this, you're going to get your throat cut. <laughs> yeah, everything comes to an end. Because they're all compounded things. But what actually dies is not exactly you. That's what, you can begin to understand that. That's a, that's powerful. You may not have attained realization. You may feel like you don't understand what the Buddha was teaching. But you might understand that you're not just a body. That your body-mind complex will go back into the elements. But you're not going anywhere. And of course, I always say, how do I know? You can say, because you're so smart sometimes. Go ahead. Earlier, you are talking about how we believe our thoughts or our feelings yes. just because they show up. I think you quoted, I think it's Byron Katie, mm-hmm. um, yeah. how do you know something is happening or something is supposed to be happening because it's happening? Sure. So what is the difference between uh, an emotion supposed to be happening because it's happening and that emotion being true because it's happening. Most of the same thing. So are, are our emotions true? They're both true and untrue. It's, it's relative and, and ultimate. So the, the, the emotion is true because it's happening, but it's untrue because it's unreal. Just like the, the common word, to, um, like Shakespeare said, all the world's a stage. So uh, that's a metaphor I use quite often because it's very much like that. This is a stage where we come on and we act out our personalities, our hopes and fears, and so on. But you could actually, you could actually sit in the front row. You could get off the stage and sit in the front row. You're kind of doing that when you do sitting meditation. You're kind of, you're being, uh, uh, put, uh, it's an elimination diet for the self-centeredness. You can do. And stop fueling everything and just watch it. And and, and the ego will continue to try to using memory. Using circular thought processes, thought processes try to keep fueling itself so it can keep uh, keep feeling like it's somebody who can win, somebody who can come get out of this dilemma. Uh, but uh, but Katie's way of talking about it is just saying if it's happening, then that's enough. It's happening. But from the ultimate point of view, nothing's happening. Not to it's just an astonishing idea uh, and concept that. Points to something that you can realize. Yes. It seems like if I'm trying to look at an emotion, even maybe that teaching, um, I might try to see how it's unreal or try to see how it is real. Is there a more direct way of working with the emotion? Well, that's, well, that's perfect. Just do that. Just continue. It's just a matter of continuing. Um, it's just like you're just on the side of a mountain. You use that metaphor I've used over and over. You're just on the side of the mountain. You're going up the mountain, and you stop and think, is this the path or isn't this the path? And then you look off to one side, and you see an old man sitting on a rock. And you say, is this the right way? The old man says, keep going. Wouldn't be me, because I don't spend any time on the side of the mountain. <laughs> Down in the valley part. <laughs> so in in the event of a, a really strong emotion that's arising... Which is like every day. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't seem helpful to just tell myself that's just an emotion. All right. I'm not saying you should do that. So how how can we let the energy go out of that emotion? Don't let it. Go do stuff. Keep it. Just practice using your Zafu and your Zapitan. Sit down, hold still, look at the wall, and watch what continues to move. Watch what, how we, I, you, we all continue to do something. We're always doing something. We're always chasing down a thought or trying to reject a thought or we're, or we're doing something. We're doing what we're doing is we're noticing how still everything is. 
we're noticing how everything's moving. Or now finally we're noticing how our leg isn't hurting. It's always doing something. And it's about watching that movement. And then eventually, somehow, you know, you begin to see, uh, you begin to see, is there, is there a watcher? Is there someone who's actually seeing this? And that seems to be different with everyone. Someone have that's the sound without the drum. Yes. Yeah. Is that is that Sarge? <laughs> <laughs> Sputtering at the door. Sarge is a little dog, a Dharma dog. Further questions? Yes. He was on. How does fear relate to the three poisons? So the it can show up in so many different ways, but fear of the unknown, fear of death, fear of fear of being. Uh, um, embarrassed or criticized or fear of this shows up so many different ways it can it can the fear can engender some kind of shutting down or just distracting oh well you know have no, no problem with walking away some kind of ignorance or can uh, cause one to be fearful and start to just get mad in order to cover up you know the, take the the fear and convert it into anger so that we can get rid of the fear by blaming or punching out our world uh, you know Hitting the, um, when I was young, my anger was so intense, I would get upset. And before I knew it, I had my fist right through a wall. It was like, what's this happen? What, what can I do about this? There was nothing. I had no help. I couldn't even tell anybody about it because someone would just say, well, just don't do it. That's how I ended up in the Marine Corps, trying to find some kind of form, to something I could say, well, if I do that in the Marine Corps, they'll, maybe they'll lock me up or something. So, so it shows up, and that also shows up as in passion. It can show up uh, to do use all three. Uh, fear shows up, and we immediately start using passion or talking to ourselves and justifying or saying, well, this is not really scary. Then, you know, we just think this is scary. So all this propaganda coming out of the, the self-centered mind, the ego mind, to pacify the situation, not to pacify it for the benefit of others, but to pacify it for the benefit of the self-centeredness, not wanting to feel threatened. Which just perpetuates the the narcissism in a in a in just all the hidden chambers hidden chambers of the consciousness that we don't even know about and have names for. So that's why it seems to be necessary to just go directly at the the, the way the structure works. Watch the passion. This is what sitting meditation is about. And sometimes it will just be anything happening. That may be ignorance. It may be just open space. Um, and other times we'll notice how we keep churning up ideas and thinking and. Judging and evaluating others, evaluating ourselves, putting ourselves down, lifting ourselves up, uh, all coming out of possibly out of fear. It's showing up in usually in one of those three ways um, grasping, rejecting, shutting down more. Is fear the root? Does it matter? Fear is, uh, fear is the base, uh, hope and fear. Those, are the, those two dynamics are useful in using those concepts. But the fundamental understanding is a uh, fundamental difficulty is the first uh, of the 12 links on the chain of existence or Maharipa or uh, Avidya. Just Vidya is knowledge and Avidya is turning away from everything. Rikpa is not, Rikpa is Tibetan for knowledge and then negative is Ma, Maharipa. Just turning away from that. So we call it to ignore and that tends to cause that. That whole self-centeredness to continue to throw up protection and barricades and paranoia and ideas and so on and create some kind of a hierarchy of self-centeredness. Yeah. Is it a different question? Certainly. Mm -hmm.
we read the definition of mandala in the Shambhala Dictionary today, and it talked about natural hierarchy. I'm wondering what that natural hierarchy is. This is a natural hierarchy. A tree is a natural hierarchy. You have leaves up in the air, and the trunk, and then down to the ground. You have roots. Not, you don't, you don't see roots trying to a root trying to be a leaf. And as I try to say humorously, except in South America, which is below the equator, so obviously not so obvious. It's not quite as funny as it is today. <laughs> but natural hierarchy is is just a, the, when things are allowed to just be what they are, then they. They take on a form that is totally coincident and harmonious with the dependent origination, the teaching that everything is dependently risen. And when the human mind, out of hope and fear, starts to interfere with that, things can get tied up in knots and balled up, and, and things that are totally invisible start to come apart. And before we say it's like the weather, you know, it's a, things are coming apart. You can, you're not here to talk about the uh, weather. I'm here to talk about something much more important than the weather, and that's uh, your mind. Because if you don't, if you don't train the mind, then you won't be able to understand what's happening in your everyday life uh, when you pick up a fork, when you when you eat, when you uh, take a walk in uh, downtown or in the woods, or have a relationship with someone who's having a lot of difficulty, or when you endeavor to help people based on a whole mess of misinformation called state. We all know there's something wrong with it. the governments of the world; otherwise, they would be working. To help people, they're not. There are about a few individuals who want power. That's why I say, as far as Dharma teaching, if somebody's trying to make it into a cult, this is a. It sometimes happens. Go uh, the other way, including here. If that starts to happen here, after I'm gone, if somebody here starts to try to control and mis mis misunderstands, leave. Got any dictators here? <laughs> well, it seems like we have discord with that. Natural hierarchy. Where is that coming from? Chances are, I mean, you could you could have some some kind of insight into it that actually where you can see that there's something, you know, it's a uh, you know what's that old saying a rat in the root cellar. You can see, you know smell a rat. You know, some, something about it is just not holding up. So you may be onto something. I would say don't add. Just keep looking at whatever it is you think you're onto without trying to develop it into a case against something. That's when things get difficult. They just they start to get all cloudy, and then we don't know uh, we don't know who to to work with and who to communicate with about the nature of the confusion. So more about that. Go further into it if you have it. Have some time. Anyone that hasn't asked a question, how do we encourage ourselves to look at the or the fear or strong emotions? So I think it's different for each person, but I would say to respond to you, and it's not just you, but picking on you particularly. I think it's sitting on, of course, and then when fear comes up, if you can, don't try to push away the fear and don't try to validate the fear. There's a passion and aggression. Validating fear is like, well, it's because of, to look at the raw, rough, rugged edge of the emotion so you don't actually know what it is. You just know it's uncomfortable and frightening. So you'll, you'll leave the emotion in place. And one of the ways you can leave the emotion in place as it is, spontaneously coming out of wherever, is to not ignore it. And the way you can work with that is uh, several different ways that I talk about. It's nothing new. But look at the texture of it. I mean, don't, don't abandon the feeling of it, uh, but look at the texture of that. And that way you're still with the, you're still with the emotion. You're still with the fear. And then also include other sense fields. 
sense of seeing, the witnessing, the seeing of a color in front of you, or the texture of the carpeting, along with the fear. So you're, because the, the sense fields are not separate from each other. So if you try to shut one out, this is why when people meditate and close their eyes, they're just creating a God realm. I'm not picking on anybody who's doing that kind of meditation. Maybe that's what you need to do. If you feel like you need to do it, do it. I don't have any corner on the truth. So do whatever you need to do. But how it looks here is uh, we need to include. We need to include the colors. We need to include the smells, the shape, the taste of our saliva, the gravity pulling us down. At the same time, we're looking at the fear. And if you're doing all of that with those senses, then the thinking process, which is the, the one that is fear-based, looking for safety, then that will, will begin to harmonize. It's, uh, it doesn't want to be alone. It doesn't want to be just paranoid and sucked under the seventh consciousness, abandoning everything else and closing down. But it wants to be, if I was using it as a story, wants to be okay. It doesn't want to be fearful. But to be fearful by shutting down, uh, closing off, aggression, or explaining or justifying or validating or say it's because of this, because of that, because of how I was treated in the fourth grade or any of that. Not that that doesn't have some relative truth to it. It's just that it's circular and it will, it will bite you in the butt every time. It will go away from what you're talking about and then it will come back again. You'll have to do the same thing again. Whereas if you just stay with it and just let it, let it scare you. Let it, let it be, let just, when I say left, then that's, you know, don't do stuff. Don't even let. But just, uh, it's more of the other way. It's via negative. It'll look at the way you resist it. Just observe the way you resist. And, and one of the things that can help you with that is, is to, the way you receive that is to go to the other sense fields, receive the color of the altar, receive the sounds of the cardinal in the trees outside, receive the feeling of your body being pulled down because you are embodied right now. And this body is, uh, uh seems real. So it seems, uh, and that's a good place to start in your body. That's why we sit down, pull, pull still, watch what moves. Well, sometimes it feels to me if I go to a sense when I'm afraid, then I just kind of go into the sense and I feel better, like out of ignoring, like I've left the fear that I was endeavoring to mm -hmm. include with my other senses. But I'm curious of how to better be with my fear because it feels like I'm just leaving it. You're not. That's fine. Just keep doing it. Everybody else ignore that. <laughs> he gets to do that. Yeah. Everybody can do that. <laughs> and what I'm saying is, it, I think I think that's good. I mean, there might be some transition into another way of working with it, but I think right now uh, I wouldn't do anything extra than that. Just when you notice that you're just doing that. That, because that will possibly change into another way of working with it. It will come out of the way in which you're working with it now. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't do anything with it. In other words, I'm saying I don't see anything where I give you some a recommendation on to how to adjust that. As long as you're relating to the sense as it is, even if you're adding on the idea that you think you're not doing something right. Is that what I'm getting? No. Just watch it. You could say something quite funny. It would be funny to me. <laughs> it would be funny to you. Either at that time or night. One final question, if they have one, uh, on uh, don't do stuff. Danny, you have more on that? So I must have done a really good thorough job and clarified everything. So is that anything? Oh, okay. Thank you. We'll stand and dedicate the merit at the back of our red chaplets. I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes in the hallway. We totally depend on your graciousness and generosity to help support 
these teachings, this teacher, and this community. Thank you. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. The ten directions, the three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the ten directions of the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light to protect Sokotoji, Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and kill them.